0: Welcome back, Internet, to uh, Kentor at Your Own Risk. This is episode 21, part 2. We got Kent, Chris, and special guest Joe with us this week. We're going over uh, our top 10-ish horror movies from the 1990s. Uh, Joe gave us his list in part 1. I'm going to be going now. Uh, And just to quick fire away, I had a... I whittled it down to five honorable mentions, but I had an honorable, honorable mention that I just want to speed round right through, not even go into detail too much. But my second tier honorable mentions, just going quick, Predator 2, Tales from the Dark Side, Cube, Event Horizon, Mimic, Scream 2, Strangeland, Audition, House on Haunted Hill, and Resurrection.
1: from the dark side probably should have been on my list I love I love anthology movies and I love that one
2: what's resurrection
0: not familiar with it resurrection is basically a low budget slightly more religious themed version of seven it's got uh, Christopher Lambert and Leland Orser in it uh, instead of Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman but you know like the serial killer you know tries to remove a baby's heart you know at the end <laughs> he's building Does
2: Christopher Lambert have a scene where he's like in the box like is there anything cool like that
0: okay. uh well Leland Orser gets shot by the dude and he's in the hospital and while he's out the guy breaks into the hospital and cuts his leg off <laughs> takes it away with him. Like, uh, the guy's is, intention is to build a new body for Christ to come back from taking the parts from all of his different victims. It was, uh, I just, I really enjoyed it when I saw it. Uh, and it was definitely, it was definitely, I don't want to say a B movie in production value, but it was definitely a B movie you know, with like the cast they got, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth watching if you get a chance at least once.
2: All right. Uh, as you know, I, I, every podcast I take notes on movies that sound like something that intrigued me and I, I have arachnophobia because I haven't watched that since it first came out on VHS. I'm like, I wonder if that will treat me well. And now I, I'm intrigued by resurrection. And I think that was the only one of them that you mentioned that I hadn't seen yet.
0: Alright, getting into my honorable mentions, uh, my number five, and I'll do these quick so we can spend most of the time on my, my list, was Blair Witch Project. Uh, like, like Joe said, I mean, it, it basically kickstarted the whole found footage genre of, of horror movies. So, you know, we've got good ones, we've had bad ones, but I think we can definitely give credit to Blair Witch for that. Uh, my number four was Ravenous. Uh, I think that gets overlooked in a lot of horror movie history but uh, it had a great fucking cast and uh, I find that a lot of people tend to overlook Native American legends and horror in in its, I guess, ability to add things to the the world. I mean, a lot of it's Eurocentric or Japanese-centric at this point in time. Sometimes uh you know, like with Candyman, it's something uniquely American, but very rarely do they look at the Native American legends.
2: Uh, Have you ever seen Mohawk by any chance? What was that? Mohawk, it came out probably within the past three to five years.
0: Uh no, I haven't.
2: I mean that that's another one that deals with Native Americans and I it's not bad the the dialogue's a l- the dialogue's poorly written early on. I'll just be honest, but still, it's a fun movie,
0: worth I mean, a watch. I mean, Ravenous doesn't really deal with Native Americans, but the whole idea of the Wendigo you know, is a Native American idea.
2: Right, and I, I'm I'm actually mad at you for mentioning Ravenous because I thought that was a movie solely that I was going to bring up. But you know, I'm not going to let my anger toward you ru- you know ruin anything.
0: Okay, my <laughs> my number three honorable mention is Alien Three. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate on it. And, you know, I can definitely watch it and go apart and or go through it and pick apart places where thematically it fails. And, you know, you can look at the uh, amount of interference that the uh, studios did when they made it. But, like, the nihilistic view that they give of that universe, you know, they kill off Hicks, they kill off Newt, and they end up killing Ripley at the end. I mean, how many other movies are willing to kill off their entire heroic cast and you know say hey we're not making yeah I mean you don't see that anymore
1: I, I I'd say the only reason I really objected to it in the movie was that they did it sort of off screen and it felt like a little bit of a cheat but other than that I I can see where you're coming from
0: yeah I mean like like I said there's problems with the movie but like I really like Charles dance and it was one of the um, the only things from that period that I remember seeing him in
2: uh I, is is it okay for me to ask like is that the only alien that we're going to be talking about
0: Uh I think so. I mean,
2: oh, okay. I I personally liked Resurrection better. I, I and for the reason that Joe said plus a few other reasons, but yeah, I was I, guess resurrection I liked in
0: resurrection. the 90s. I don't remember.
2: Yeah, it was 97, I believe. So. Just I was just curious if that's
0: all I don't know it's yeah, I, I like a lot of the uh the premise of resurrection but like I want to say I think that this is a movie that J- Joss Whedon shouldn't have been involved in
2: that makes like, some sense
0: like a, not a huge I, I like I like to, Buffy you know I think he did a great job with Buffy you know I I liked the first Avengers Uh, You know, like Firefly, you know, some of the other stuff that he's done, but, like, his formula doesn't work in every genre, I think. But I love love Michael Wincott. I'm just glad whenever I see that dude get work, so.
1: Yeah. I I was just going to say, I don't... I'm not a huge Joss Whedon fan, but I just thought that, given my disappointment with Alien 3, it was nice to see just a completely different perspective on Alien altogether, but I know that's a fairly minority opinion. And it had Brad, Brad Dorf, so that's that's a plus.
0: Uh, my number two for my honorable mention is Tremors. Because who doesn't like Graboids?
2: Kevin Bacon?
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, I guess, actually don't like it. Like I, I would say probably Michael Gross more than anybody else doesn't like them, but... Uh, and my number one honorable mention was In the Mouth of Madness. That one was really close to making my list, but uh, a couple of of the ones on there, I was just I was like, you know what? I really think they're overall just better movies. So, getting into my, my actual list, I think I'm going to do it the same way you do it, Kent, starting at my number 10, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I think... We've got two of the best serial killers that have ever been on screen in this movie. You know, within uh, Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill. Uh, great performances. Uh, some really creepy stuff. I mean, if you really think about that scene where he tucks himself away and then he's dancing around, you know, I'd fuck me. Or, you know, Put the lotion in the basket. You know, it's got some lines that are repeatable, but like the actual content that's going on there is pretty disturbing. And um, the scene towards the end, when she's going into his basement and he cuts the light and he's doing the all the shit with the night vision, is still pretty tense to this day. It holds up. I mean, I think. I mean, it's it's one of three movies to win. The top five and I think it it deserved it that year for uh, the Academy Awards
2: you know I just saw Joe Dirt and I forgot the whole Buffalo Bill scene <laughs> I, I, like I just saw that Saturday night so I, I'm glad that you brought up Silence of the Lambs because I'm definitely not going to bring it up later or I might but it was a well-deserved. I mean, it, it really deserved its its wins, its nominations. It, it still holds up. I mean, how many how many movies did it have after? It had Hannibal, Red Dragon, and Hannibal Rising, right? Like that was it. Yeah,
0: and you know, I, I think that out of all of them, it's clearly the best. Like, I love the TV show better, but unfortunately, you know, a TV show can't. Comp- compete with a movie for you know our top ten list. I would agree.
2: Joe, you got anything?
1: Uh, yeah, I just it's it's a great movie, great cast. I tend to shy away from psychological horror of that sort. Just first first of all it is it, it hits very close to home, so it can be disturbing in that respect and it's it's just not normally my forte but it's it's hard to say anything negative about that movie it's it's quotability the genuine fear that it invokes in people and and just the amazing cast
0: one of the best stories i have about it it was it was in 91 i believe and i remember uh i was 12 13ish uh, my mom was working for video world ordering their movies and so she she kept up pretty much on you know what was coming out what was going on you know what was up for oscars and stuff and my my grandmother and her neighbor were like oh we hear the silence of the lambs movie is um you know it's it's being nominated for all these oscars we're gonna go see it and my mom's like are you sure about that they're like oh yeah they had no idea what the fucking thing was about and they went in and my grandmother sat through it and she got done and she's like i'm never sleeping again (laughs) That makes sense. I
1: mean, that sounds about right. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Uh, I I love stories. Like my other favorite grandmother movie story. To segue a little bit, is um, I remember I made her sit down and watch American History X with me, and we got done. She, I was like, "So what'd you think?" And she's like, "It was a good movie, except for all the swearing."
2: Not, not the curb stop. The swearing
0: the curb the swearing, the curb stop or the the racism or any of that, but the swearing
1: well, the racism has to be in there it's what it's about, but there must be some clean way of depicting it.
0: all right uh to, to go on, my number nine is candyman tony fuck, Tony Todd gave me so many nightmares when I was a little young teenager. thanks a lot, dude and then Virginia Madsen didn't help at the end either so.
2: She looked so badass at the end, though, man. I so
0: badass. We've gone over it. And, you know, there are certain times, like, well, i watch a horror movie, I'm like, well, if I was in that situation, what would I do? You know, how would I be able to cope with that? And, you know, I don't think there's a way anybody could come out of that situation alive. You know, for, for lack of... Like, once once he started fucking with her, I don't, you know, I don't think there's a way that she could fucking... Change the outcome.
2: Yeah, I don't think there was any option. She was she was fucked for lack of a better term.
1: Like I said, it's that it's the backstory that prevents it from being just a totally nihilistic story in the sense that there's no fighting back that you know, the backstory that gives you some sympathy for the character.
0: Uh, I mean, it's It's just a good movie, and again, it's another, um, even though he wasn't as involved, it's a Clive Barker. He really did great in the 90s going into my next one, which is Nightbreed. Um, I fucking love this movie, and again, like Joe was saying, it's not necessarily a straight horror movie. There's definitely elements of fantasy in there. But uh, just everywhere that it goes is just things that I find interesting. You know, the idea that monsters exist and that they're not necessarily the bad guys. Uh, Again, there's another really interesting uh, serial killer in it, actually played by David Cronenberg. You know, they don't pull punches. Like uh, one of the first people that he murders in the movie and then blames on the main character is a little fucking kid you know that has a different connotation to me now that i'm a dad than it did when i was a kid watching it um really interesting creature design really decent special effects for the time they don't necessarily stand up great now but uh uh they did for the time um Doug Bradley having a cameo. I mean, it was just lots to like. I think probably the number one thing that would hold it down was just how much of the budget you can tell, like having to shoot it all in Canada and use all of that. Like this is one of the earlier ones for for that kind of production. Like you can see now Canada has basically become uh, one of the go-to places for television filming. You know, they, they use a lot of that for, uh, like I want to say, I think Dexter did a lot of its outdoors in like, uh, uh, Toronto maybe? Not Toronto, um, Vancouver. But, um, you know, at the time they didn't really have the infrastructure to support uh, a lot of the filming that they did now. And you can see that in some of the uh, the shots that they did but uh if you've never seen it i would suggest watching it once it's unique just like lord of illusions is they they really haven't tried to make other movies like it
1: that and it's it's got that you know i hate to be all care bear but it's got that nice message that the the villains that are out there are not the villains that are obvious or that we see
2: i've never seen it uh, you had me sold at Cronenberg.
0: I mean, it's one of the only ones that Clive Barker uh, directed to. I mean, he, he did most of the uh, all of the production shit. And he's been talking, they've been toying around with doing a reboot or a remake or stuff, and it, it goes up and it goes down. Some Sometimes it seems more viable than not. So it might happen, it might not. But uh, the, the crappiest thing is that it ends, and it definitely sets up that there should be a sequel, and we've never gotten the sequel.
1: Yo, I gotta go off. The dangerous thing to do. I gotta go off topic here, but I
2: recently rewatched Oculus. How the hell did that movie not get a damn sequel? Like that movie was perfectly set up for a sequel, and they did nothing. Like, I. There's so in the world of horror, we get stuck with so many sequels that we do not need. We never wanted. We don't. We still don't want. I mean, we're on *Children of the Corn* goddamn twenty-seven or something right now, but we can't get a sequel to, you know, apparently *Nightbreed* deserved it. *Oculus* deserved it. How, how, doesn't that baffle you at times?
0: Uh, I mean, I would rather see one good movie and someone stay creative than start to cash in. So, I mean, the guy who did Oculus, Mike Flanagan, you know, he's... I've liked everything that he's done. Yeah, I... So I, I'm, I I'm glad that he's still able to uh, keep up with the, the quality. You know, if, if that's what it takes, instead of getting Oculus 2, I'll, I'll be sad that we don't get an Oculus 2, but, uh, you know.
2: But, like, I don't know. I'd like to see what Mike Flanagan would do, either in a sequel or a prequel, quite frankly. I don't know. I I like what I've seen of Flanagan, so it actually makes me want it more. Like, it wasn't just a a one-hit wonder hack director. The dude actually has talent and has given us a lot of good stuff. And I guess that does make me want it more.
0: To segue from that, though, to go back to something that we were talking about last podcast, I was just watching a video about Oculus last night on YouTube. And uh, they started it off by they were talking about the use of mirrors in horror movies and stuff, but it started off with um, an interview with Leigh Whannell uh, talking about the Invisible Man. I didn't realize that he was British.
2: I had no idea either. Huh. All like, right. Like
0: yeah, I, I saw like I'm hearing him speak in his normal voice. I'm like holy shit, he sounds nothing like um, what's his name from Saw. <laughs> like that that makes his acting job. A little bit better in my appreciation, you know, knowing that he was doing an accent at the same time.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you watch him play, I think it was Adam, like, you're just like, all right, I mean, he's doing an okay job for a horror movie, but yeah, okay, I, I have a newfound appreciation.
0: Uh, to get into my number seven, then, and this is one I see left off lists a lot, but uh, misery. Like uh I just rewatched this with my wife on h b o now and it still holds up like that scene where she hobbles him, holy fuck,
1: <laughs>
0: my ankles hurt still from watching that last week um it's a creepy idea i mean it, it was like the the etymology of where it came from with Stephen King working through you know exercising his demons about. Uh, you know, fan expectations of his content uh, into this story. And then, like, I don't remember ever seeing Kathy Bates in anything before that, but holy shit, she knocked it out of the park. And, you know, whether or not you agree with everything she says in her personal life, I don't think I've ever really seen a shitty performance from her. Uh, James Caan is a great actor, but he doesn't do enough. If like he's in, been in some like indelible movies, but I don't, th- I think he curates what he does more than a lot of people would appreciate. Cause I would like to see him in more, but like the scene, the, the scenes hold there's so much tension in that movie. It's, it's hard to take if you're like already stressed out. I would suggest watching it when you're relaxed I don't know. What do you think?
2: Um, I think it was actually one of the highest-rated films that I have on uh, on a list. Um, yeah, I, I, I when I now take my ratings for what they are, they're just you know blips in the mind of a maniac at any given moment. But I did give it an eight point five out of nine point two. I rarely even get to the 8 mark. So, big fan of it. Big fan of Kathy Bates. I, I like seeing Kathy Bates and other things. But for me, nobody... No female does horror better than Kathy Bates. And Lynn Shay is probably number two for me. So, big fan of the film.
0: I'm glad to see that like she's enjoyed... Continuing on you know horror some horror adjacent stuff, like um, Dolores Claiborne, but uh also like the 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 shit she's done with American horror story and whatnot, yeah Cause so like right so a- right after misery came out, I mean I remember she was getting like all sorts of drama parts because you know they, they looked at her and they're like, "Wow, she's a great actress, uh, so I'm glad that she's hasn't you know like looked down on the genre that you know gave her her big break.
1: Joe, you got anything? Don't have a lot to add for this. This is given given that I love Stephen King and everything. This is definitely a, a big gap that I need to fill at some point, but uh, have not actually seen it.
0: Uh, well, I don't know if you have HBO now, but it's it's on there streaming for free. I'm sure there's got to be other places, and even if if you can't find a stream, I'm sure you could probably find it at like bargain prices somewhere in like the Walmart bin or something. Uh, yeah, it's I would definitely say that it's worth watching. I don't. It's been a while since I've read the book, so I don't remember how well it exactly translates. I know it doesn't translate a hundred percent, but it's just a really good take on a really creepy story. Uh, so going on, my number six is another one that I don't really see listed very often and I think it's because people forget about it but uh the prophecy uh like if we're if we're talking about more established actors cast wise I think this might be my uh no maybe not but uh it's definitely one of the the best cast in my top 10 uh I mean Christopher Walken I don't know if. Has he done. Too much other horror outside of that? I mean. Dead Zone. Yeah, that would. I kind of feel that that's, like, slightly. Horror adjacent. You know, more sci fi, almost.
2: No, I I would agree. He, He really. He sticks. He stuck with a lot of drama, and then once he kind of hit it. Uh, I don't know what came first, but I mean, Joe Dirt, once again, my own reference, like he hit this period where suddenly like he realized how funny he could be. And then he did a lot of comedies, say like early to mid two thousands. But horror was just something that kind of eluded him. He did you know, a lot of drama, a lot of, you know, I, I just saw King of New York, that type of role, suicide mm-hmm. King type of role. So, yeah. yeah. But, but
0: as uh, Gabriel in this, it's creepy as fuck, man. Like, his one line where he's like, You know why you have that little indentation in your lip? Because when you're in the womb, I put my finger on your lip and I say, Shh. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not doing a good job of it, but like, it's creepy. Uh, Viggo Mortensen as Lucifer, you know, really creepy. Yeah, I didn't even. Remember that that was him until years later when I was looking up like who's this guy who's going to be Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, it's a it's an interesting story. Um, it's again it's just I think it gets overlooked in the the grand scheme of things. But I mean Christopher Walken, Elias codius Virginia Madsen, there we go again. Eric Stoltz, Viggo Mortensen, Amanda Plot I mean just.
2: I mean, geez, you just named uh, three people that were in Pulp Fiction.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great cast. It's, you know, um, again, it's like a a unique premise. You know, you rarely see, like, angels and, and demons, well, just angels, like, used as the bad guys. Like, so often when they're going, like, Christian religion, you know, angels are the good guys. Uh, I mean... To be fair, a lot of the other ones that have used that kind of theme have been shit. But, you yeah. know, there was at least one good one. One of the interesting things, too, is that, like, each one in the series, and they get pretty much progressively worse, but it has also been kind of like a different type of movie. So, I don't know, take it, take it with what you will. And the the way they had the dudes sit on the back of chairs was kind of badass
2: so I've never seen the movie or if I did it was a long time ago um I already had that marked down as a film to watch for this month so I can't add anything despite an amazing cast
1: my my memories of it are poor because I haven't seen it in a million years and I, I don't think I was focused on it when I did see it but I do remember it being very creepy and uh and seeing a side of Christopher Walken you don't normally see. I mean
0: the the main premise is that like this uh I believe it was Korean War general who was like a cannibal and like a Satan worshipper, soul is reborn into a little girl and they need to get his soul to fucking and this ain't born have it yet. I mean just like going from there. <laughs> it's that's where it starts. <laughs> so uh Alright, to go to my number five, we just talked about this two months ago, I think, Kent, but uh, The Exorcist 3.
2: Yeah, yeah, we... You just keep stealing some of my big, big hitters here. You keep going.
0: But, uh, like, I love that movie. It's, again, it's, it's creepy. It's... Great performances. I mean, if you want to hear us talk about it more... I'm going to plug us go listen to episode 19 Um, I don't I mean like again you and I probably spent 45 minutes talking about this a couple months ago so I don't feel the need to beat in into the ground too much but really well done sequel that plays off the strengths of the first one without necessarily relying too heavily on uh, homage to uh, to make its own point and some of the one of the best jump scares in movie history. So,
2: yeah, I I, I love it. I don't really have much to add to it. Uh, Joe, have you seen it?
1: I have not seen any of the Exorcist sequels, although I, I understand that's the one to see.
0: Yeah, basically, I would say you can probably skip part two.
2: I've never seen any of the sequels aside from part three. And that was only after Scott Wilson died. And I went on a little Scott Wilson binge and this movie really surprised me for a film, you know, 30 years ago. It still holds up incredibly well. And I I can name any number of people, but Brad Dourif as the Gemini killer, he's so good.
0: Yeah, dude. And like I said, man, that's, Probably got the best jump scare I've ever seen in a movie, and it's legit. It's not like a, a jump scare just for a jump scare.
2: So it's not Insidious. No. You. No.
1: You you sold me with Brad Dourif. It, he
2: he has to be one like the like every well okay horror fans know him. I feel like a lot of people know him but they may not necessarily know him by name I I just feel like he's lived a semi underappreciated career
0: uh maybe I mean probably he's probably upset that he's never really hit A-list status but I mean he was in one again another one of the movies that hit the top five in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest fabulous yeah uh he was in the original uh, David Lynch Dune. you know. So. He's
1: His daughter is pretty spectacularly wacky. She she does a great job of being sort of like a female version of, of the person who would take on those roles, like a legitimately good job.
2: <laughs> What's her first name? I can't remember. I, I like her.
1: I think. Let me, I'll look it up. All right.
0: That seems so apropos, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I, between I like her and I like Samara Weaving. She's grown on me and Ethan Hawke's daughter's also grown on me.
0: To to piggyback on that, I just watched Guns of Kimbo yesterday and I watched uh Ready or Not like 2 weeks ago and yes, Samara Weaving's pretty
2: fucking awesome. I, th- I think it's Samara Fiona Dorr. Oh, go ahead, Jeff.
1: Fiona Dorf, yeah.
2: I think Samara Weaving's in a film called Mayhem with the dude who played Glenn in Walking Dead. Yeah, Samara Weaving and Stephen Yoon. Mayhem's a fun horror, semi-horror flick at the very least. Hollywood, I, I would recommend it if for a, more of a mindlessly good time. I
0: heard it was like a better version of the Belco experiment.
2: Yep. Yep, that that's all you have to say because the Belko experiment looked good in in previews, and then in execution, not so good. And then Mayhem came along, and they just, they they nailed that particular type of story.
0: Gotcha. That's one I I want to watch. I keep forgetting that it's free on Prime. Um. All right. My number four, uh, is The Devil's Advocate. Um, probably not so much for Keanu. Although I don't think he takes away anything from the movie. But... I remember watching it originally when it came out. And I was... You know, I, I really enjoyed Al Pacino's performance. Uh, I really thought Charlize Theron did a really good job. And then... It got to the end, and the very last thing happens, and he morphs into Pacino again in his vanity, my favorite sin. And I just love nihilistic shit like that, where there's no way to win, and the good guy can try all he want, and he's still never going to succeed. And no matter what decisions he makes it's just going to get flipped around and he's going to have to go through it again until he finally makes a decision that has the negative effect. Um, But yeah, like Pacino owns this movie. He's kind of like gone off the reservation lately. Like, I don't know if you've seen any interviews with him doing like the whole fake southern voice that like (laughs) he never used for like the first 60 years of his life. But, uh, the whole idea of the devil you know using lawyers to corrupt the whole criminal justice system in order to uh ruin the world i mean that's pretty heady and uh, it's got some great minor casts even major casts like um shit what the hell's her name now john a blank
2: Connie Nielsen, Nielsen yeah, Jeffrey uh, Jones,
0: Kirkie Kirk Nelson, Delroy Ro- Del Lindo. I mean,
2: what a great supporting cast! It, 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 oh, such a good supporting cast. Also, really like the the lady uh, that played uh, Keanu's mo- mother, uh, Judith Ivy. I, I thought mm-hmm. she was great in it. And for me, this was the first time I ever saw Charlie's, and, oh, I. Uh, I don't know. At that age, I absolutely fell in love with that girl.
0: the The only thing I remember really seeing before uh, with her was Two Days in the Valley. And like, if you've seen that and you see the outfit that she's wearing in the whole thing, then yeah, you would have been in love with her right from the fucking get go.
2: That makes sense. I just bought that recently. I think. Never seen Two Days though.
0: But yeah, I just I, you know it. It's a good movie, it's got great performances, but the ending is what makes it for me. Like, when he gets... He thinks, oh, I won, I made the right decision. And then his dad is just manipulating him a completely different way to get him down. I'm like, such a good fucking negative world view. I love it.
2: Oh, and it's, Heather Matarazzo? Yeah, you know, a girl
0: from, uh, yeah, the...
2: I There's love her friends. <laughs> yes, yes, I love her, man. She's great. Sorry to cut anybody off.
1: Just going to add. I mean, that was that was actually almost you know on my list, and it it really is great because it takes a different tack than most horror movies. It, it goes in a different direction for for sort of what's scary and terrifying about it, and also yes, I love that that ending that. You know, oh, it doesn't matter if you rewind the tape. There you will trip and fall somewhere and and he will get you. Also, also a great reference to the chicken that played tic tac toe in that one arcade in New York. Now now long gone.
0: fucking Eddie Pasoon. Anyways. Anyways. Um I think we can probably skip through my... Not skip, but go pretty quickly through my my three and my two. And I'll, I'll probably let you talk about my one in more depth than I will, Kent. But my number three was Stir of Echoes, which we've already touched on. I just... I love that movie. I love the performances. I love the way it flips a ghost story on its head, and you realize that, yeah, sure, the ghost was haunting them, but the real bad guy... Are humans, um, you know, like everything you said about the stir of echoes and the sixth sense is true. Like I really think that this the sixth sense is a plot twist, without a plot, and that's that's it. Uh, it's no, it doesn't really have a story, you know. Once you you get the the flip. You know, you, you never really feel you need to go back and watch it again. Maybe once in order to pick up on all the clues that you subconsciously noticed but didn't really think about when you were watching it. But Star of Echoes is just fun to rewatch all the time, and I do probably every year or two.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I put that on every, every so often. It's, even if it's just a background noise type movie while I'm doing something else it's it hooks me in even if the intention is i just want background noise it hooks me in how, how how could it not
0: yeah i love kevin bacon
1: i did not mention earlier but it also it has that great mildly creepy ending
0: with the that the, the sun and the, the car. understated
1: yeah. yeah the understated creepy ending
0: See, like, I'm glad we never got a sequel to that, but I th- I just, I don't know, I think that if they tried to make a sequel to it, they'd probably fuck it up.
2: Absolutely. Certain ghosts, especially ghost stories, is should typically be a one-and-done thing. The ghost story in and of itself is typically the ghost trying to lead you to a certain part where... It, you know, you find out why they died or why they're pissed, whatever. And a ghost story, by and large, should just be in and of itself. Uh, sequels really shouldn't happen very often. I, I can think of a couple, like, I thought The Pact 2, okay. Like, it didn't need to exist, but I was okay that The Pact and The Pact 2 existed. But, yeah, I, I agree. Ghost, ghost stories don't traditionally really go that well with sequels.
0: Uh, my number two, and again this is one that we've talked about ad nauseum, but um From Dusk Till Dawn. Uh it's only partially a horror movie, but it's just so well constructed and its its two parts. You know the first part Quentin Carantino slash Robert Rodriguez Crime Thriller, second part Schlocky vampire horror. Man. Like, the cast got into it. They loved it. The, you know, the minor parts are so memorable. Like Cheech, outside the Titty Twister. Like I fucking love that monologue. Um. You know, bringing back people like, um, uh, what the hell was his name? Um, the guy who played uh, Sex Pistol.
2: Tom Savini, man. Yeah, and um,
0: the the other was it Richard Roundtree?
2: Uh, I think so. god Goddamn, I'm not good with yeah. names half the time. You know this? Yeah, I know. Me too. Couldn't that's you have just said Selma Hayek dancing?
0: Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh shit. I still <laughs> like that song. And Selma
1: Hayek. Hi- yeah, that's that's a classic scene.
2: All right, you had Fred yeah, Williamson Williamson. That's that. Williamson and Danny Trejo and even John Saxon was in this how I don't even remember Saxon in it. Does anybody remember John Saxon?
0: I wonder if he's in like it like barely scene. in it yeah.
2: yeah, he's just an FBI agent, so either way, it's love John Saxon and Michael Parks, who has been in you know a ton of Tarantino flicks, Esteban
1: have to go back and finish the TV show. That was going in interesting directions.
0: Oh, shit. That, yeah, Michael park He was the dude from Tusk, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, Michael Parks is in a lot of stuff as a very underrated, quote-unquote, that guy.
1: How, how yeah, I was mean, the
2: TV show? Uh, sorry. Uh, like, is it... Is it all like in the same vein, or did they try to go more comedy, more horror, or did they kind of keep that right mixture?
1: It's it's more horror, and it's it's definitely like much more for the creepy and messed up vibe. Like the, you know, the psycho killer brother is played less for laughs, and the the monsters are are like their own unique kind of sort of South American snake vampire things. And uh, it was going interesting places, but I, I didn't even finish the first season because I was busy with something else at the time. I got to go back to it.
2: Fair enough. I'd like to find that. I don't know what it's if I can even find it anymore, but I want to look, see if I can find it.
0: All right, I mean, and like I said, we've talked about that for... Probably hours at this point.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And my number one—I uh, don't think this is going to surprise you, Kent—is uh, Scream.
2: I'm so shocked.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I really think that the one movie in the '90s that really revitalized interest in horror was Scream. Like, whether you dug the meta texture and the, you know, the deconstruction of the slasher movie, or you, you didn't, you know, it still got people back into theaters to, to see horror movies. And, you know, it's popped off a whole bunch of imitators right away, as well as its own sequels. Uh, but yeah, like good looking people, you know, uh, relatively well-written teenagers. Um, I don't. I don't like. It mostly holds up, I think, to this day. Uh, I think Scream Two does as well. Scream Three, less so, and I haven't seen all of Scream Four to be able to give my opinion on it. But um, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be on your list. So if we want to get into it deeper when you hit that up, yeah, let's do it.
2: Okay. Fair Fair enough. So I have an idea, and I know our listeners are really expecting me to do something stupid and ridiculous, and that's what I'm going to do. I made two lists. I know. Shocking. I made I made a list of, you know, it was something Joe brought up, it was something you've brought up, and it's been a theme throughout this podcast. The 90s is chock full of horror movies that are kind of sort of horror movies or horror themed but not really horror movies but, you know, we can make the argument that they're horror. I kind of made a list of them and then I made a list of what I thought were true, full-blown horror films. So I was thinking maybe I could finish off part two by going over the films that I didn't... I personally don't consider pure 100% horror um, since it's a shorter list and then you know, we can do a part three where I actually go over the horror stuff and that also gives... Us a break and maybe give Joe an opportunity to sleep. I don't know. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Okay. So, um, and a lot of this stuff's gonna be redundant. I mean that that's what I do here. I'm redundant as hell. All right. So, top sixteen movies. <laughs> Arbitrary, right? Top 16 movies that I don't consider pure horror but have a horror vibe, and probably half of them we've already talked about. Um, and some don't. Whatever. Um, I had The Mummy, number 16. It was a fun movie. It had a mummy in it. And also, you know, helped us get, you know, The Rock out of wrestling and do badass things as The Scorpion King. Uh, overall, the franchise itself was fun, and the first movie was arguably the best. Uh, you know, I, I don't really have anything that great to say about it. It was it was a fun movie that you could actually rewatch and
0: I I love I'm not gonna lie I love that series.
2: Yeah, uh, Joe, are you in on, on the Mummy franchise?
1: I'm I'm totally down with it. I'm actually gonna cut out here though. Okay, if that's okay, and uh, rejoin you uh, next time around maybe. All
2: right, that works.
0: And Joe is nice to talk to you, man. Thank you for coming in and, and
2: playing oh, along with
1: no, us. No, thank you guys for, for letting me uh join. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: Absolutely. All right. And Joe knows what he's doing as far as savings, so I'm just gonna keep rambling on. Um number fifteen, I had anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> like bitch. It, it, it's an okay you know, movie. Like like, actually, I think it's kind of better now, like, that it's had time to di- slowly digest. Like, that movie's bad, but in a really good way of being bad. Like, it's a fun movie. I don't know. I had to conclude it. Uh, plus the cast. Uh, uh, help me out here with the cast.
0: Uh, it was what? Ice, Ice Cube, J-Lo, John Voight. Uh... Shit! One of the dudes from the Mummy was in it, uh, the guy who was the uh, the on the opposite archaeological team. Yeah, who, uh, yeah.
2: Jesus! Okay. All right, so you got Eric Stoltz, you got Owen Wilson, Kerry Wurr, who was in Sliders, uh, Danny Trejo, of course, and Frank Welker, who was the voice of the Anaconda.
0: Well, he—they really—I didn't even realize that they credited the anaconda with having a voice.
2: Me neither, but you know, it had to make some sound, and apparently, that's—you know—that's what Frank Welker does. So, really, uh, really good cast. I, I don't know. I—I I, I think it's—it only has a four point eight on it on IMDb, and I think that could be at least a full point higher. I don't think you sit there and go, "Geez, I wasted my time with this." It's.
0: But uh, uh, to be fair, too, though, I don't see you going around and like well, most people going around and like rewatching it after that.
2: No, I I think you rewatch it once every ten years at most, and I'm okay with that. That's why it's only number fifteen on on my list. So, um, anyway, number fourteen a film that we've talked about quite a bit won't waste much time on Gremlins two. And I'm mainly bringing this up because apparently the Gremlins animated series is got the green light to go. I don't know if you heard about that.
0: No, I didn't, but holy shit. I didn't know, though, that since, uh, since the last time we talked about Gremlins, you finally watched that Key and Peele skit.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, sir, I did. And that was fucking funny, man. <laughs> it fucking makes so much sense. It, it really, it, it just, yeah, yeah, that. That is exactly how that shit went down. So, yeah. Uh, Gremlins 2, I, it's not like it's a horrible movie. It's not a good, it's not, it's definitely not a great movie. You could argue that's a good to average movie. But most importantly, you can say that at least it was mostly entertaining, at least. I, I, I And that's kind of, I'm happy with entertaining.
0: I remember when it came out. My brother and my cousin and I were super excited to see it like to the point where like we would sit around and like repeat the lines from the trailer.
2: Oh god, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> fucking fucking nerds, but uh <laughs> I don't know, you know, it was definitely something I think that I enjoyed more seeing it at the age I did than I would if it came out now.
2: Yes, I I, I agree. Plus I had Hulk Hogan. So, Just, yeah. Oh, and I believe Gremlin's the cartoon. It, although it's not bringing back... That was the one thing I read. Uh, Howie Mandel is not coming back to voice Gizmo, but they're trying to bring back most everybody that's still alive. That would be somewhat important for the cartoon, and I think it's going to be Netflix, is what I read. Interesting. And, and Joe Dante is involved. That'd
0: definitely be something interesting to watch, you know, to see what they do with it.
2: Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm surprised it was never made into, like, a Saturday morning cartoon, you know, given what when it came out.
0: I kind of remember Toys. Like, probably after, um... Uh... After the... The movie came out. I remember the video game and I kinda remember like they had like the Spider Gremlin and Gizmo with the bow and arrow.
2: My I lost my gizmo in my house fire. I, I had a gizmo in my basement. And he was awesome. So I think there was something in the back, like you could pull up the fur in the back, there was a little pouch and I think he, I don't know if you could stick your whole hand in it or if there was like a button. There was something. It's getting can,
0: kind of disturbing. Where are you going with this, Kent?
2: You know. <laughs> uh, Alright, I'm just going to move along. Uh, number 13. Blade. We, we I love them.
0: the Blade movies, yeah. I mean, it's... It, like, for me, it's hard to put... Like, I, I love Army of Darkness. I love Blade. I love... Grant, but it's hard to put them on, like, a horror list.
2: Right. That, that's yeah. where I was at. I was like... It belongs because it is horrorish. There are vampires, but it's not a horror film. And, you know, we've talked about that before. So I, I just well, felt deserve deserved recognition. To be recognition. fair,
0: it's probably the closest that any, like, comic book movie has come to being a, a real traditional horror movie.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, Alright, moving on. Now, this one I was... I went back and forth on whether it belonged in real horror or not. I put it on this list. And rest assured, I'm sure a lot of people... Okay, the three people that listen this may disagree with whether I should put this on this list or the other list. But I had ravenous on this, part, this particular list. Um, I, I loved it. It was a great, great, great cast. And I don't know... Is it just me, or did do you feel that that movie just kind of fell under the radar?
0: Yeah, I think it fell under the radar. I mean... That, and it's... It's, it's hard to classify, because, like... It's a slow burn. There's a lot of it that... Almost has no real horror to it. And then, like, you go into pretty graphic violence. Like... And it's about eating people. So, I mean, I can already see that, you know, like, right off the bat, you're going to have people object to seeing it just on on that grounds. You know, and then make it, like, a majority... uh, Well, maybe not a majority, but uh, the major leads, like, foreign actors just coming into their own, and I don't know, maybe that was a lot of the contributing factors to why I didn't do as well as it probably could have.
2: Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, interestingly enough, like you say, like, you know, early on, there's just not much. And then like all of a sudden shit gets real at a certain point in the film where it suddenly it goes from a period piece of sorts to a horror film. And quite frankly, I feel bone Tomahawk is like the spiritual successor of this film in that regard. Because, I mean, the first two-thirds of that movie, there's no horror.
0: Oh, I would definitely agree with that. I really like Bone Tomahawk, too, though. So, I mean, that...
2: And who's the key person in both of them? David Arquette, our boy. Uh, Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Unless you're listening, in which case, yes, of course, David Arquette.
2: Dude... That, I, I, it just needs to happen. It, that's all. That's all. I don't know. But the, this great cast. I love Guy Pierce. Uh, Robert Carlyle. I love Car- Arquette. Jeffrey Jones. Jeremy Davies. John Spencer is such a cool dude. And Neil McDonough is always like the same dude. But I love him.
0: Did you ever see? Do you ever watch uh, Justified?
2: No, unfortunately, I haven't yet. Yeah. He
0: is on uh, season three, Neil McDonough, and he plays a seriously fucking creepy dude. Like you don't get how creepy he is until you get into it, and then you're like, "Wow, this dude's fucking creepy." I
2: uh, it's if I said that I had a list of ten TV shows that I insist on watching that Justified is on that list so it's going to happen it's there with The Wire and Sopranos and I don't know maybe The Shield I don't know there's really not that many movies or TV shows I'm putting ahead of Justified because I I love Oliphant and uh, uh, the other dude that I love Goggins
0: Yeah, Yeah. season season one was kind of all over the place because they were finding their footing But season two, three, and four were fucking amazing.
2: That makes sense. You know? I mean, shit, man. So many shows are are like that. So many of the good shows, the first season, you know, they just kind of wandering around trying to really figure out what exactly they're trying to do. And then by season two, they're like, all right, we know who we are. We know what we're trying to really accomplish. We got a budget now, too. So... All right, uh, I'm going to move along here. Uh, I'm going to just casually mention Jurassic Park. I don't remember much of it, but I do know it's a good movie. It's just I can't offer much on it. So I didn't want to put it too high. I didn't want to put it too low. Number 11 seemed just right. And Samuel,
0: yeah. I know a lot of people fucking love it. Like. I don't know. I, I like I love the book. And then I saw the movie and I was disappointed. It was one of the first cases where I remember, you know, like reading a book before a movie came up to see it. And I was like, oh, really? They're going to fucking change that kind of shit? But, um, I'm just like, I get certain people fucking love dinosaurs. I like them, but I'm not in love with them, if you know what I mean.
2: I loved them as a kid, and I think that's what excited me most by the movie and. I feel like I was like one of the only guys in like my, you know, my class that didn't have like this raging hard on for Jurassic Park. I was like, yeah, it was a good movie. I had a good time, but that, that was kind of like where it ended for me. I suppose I wasn't
0: overly yeah, I mean, I enthused. People were fucking going going on and on and on about like the fucking music and you know how amazing the fucking first scene where you saw the dinosaurs were, and you know, I'm like. It was good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know.
2: No, I, I I, think we're on the same level here. It was just like, yeah, we acknowledge it was good, but at no point, there, wasn't, there was a few really well done, you know, the special effects and stuff, but eh, otherwise, you know, it is what it is, man. Like, it, it's like any other hugely popular film. You know, there's a bunch of hugely popular films. That I'm just like... Eh, I don't want to say indifferent about because I think that they're good, but that's about as far as I want to reach on them. And that's how yeah, I
0: feel. You ever watch Epic Rap Battles of History?
2: <sighs> Unfortunately, I've been shown a few. Yes.
0: Yeah, yes. Uh, I fucking love the channel, and uh, they have one where it's directors, and it starts out and it's Steven Spielberg versus uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. And then okay. Quentin Tarantino buffs in in and one of my favorite lines in that is he's like, he's talking to Spielberg he's like, ask anybody who what's their favorite Sam Jan- Jackson part, nobody's gonna say what's his name from Jurassic Park
2: That's a pretty funny line <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with it. I mean, it's just kind of like, like they had Samuel Jackson in it and he's almost like a fucking non-entity in the movie, if you know what I
2: mean Right, right. yeah Alright Uh I have number 10 here, Jacob's Ladder, which we talked about... I don't even know if it was this year or last year when you told me to give it a watch, and obviously I gave a full rundown on it, then I don't have anything yeah. additional to offer about it. You know, It, it appears on my list. I, I feel that's good enough. Um, number 9. Oh, and Jacob's Ladder was on a ton of... Uh, I don't know, I think you're like me. When we do these things, we go online, we look up lists... Just to kind of see what other people are thinking, see some movies, jot some ideas mm-hmm. down. I saw Jacob's letter on almost every list. I was like, it was good, but I feel people are possibly putting it a little, little too high on a pedestal, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree.
2: All right, number nine is something that I'm pretty sure we have not talked about hardly at all, if ever. Cannibal, the musical.
0: I have never even heard of that So yeah we probably never talked about it
2: Well it's from Trey Parker and Matt Stone The masterminds behind South Park It is a musical About (laughs) Guys uh, Way back like in the western days uh, Trying to make it To Colorado or from Colorado And there's cannibalism And the songs Are hilarious like if you like South Park you'll like this if you don't like South Park I don't know what's wrong with you but you know that that's where I'm kind of at gotcha like I, I and like even like you hear uh well, can't remember which one uh do Cartman's voice you know obviously before Cartman was a thing uh so mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of funny 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 things there um it does start a little slow though um and the last time I watched it, I watched it with two friends, and they both got it. So, like, it gives me hope that other people will possibly hear this and go try to find Cannibal the Musical. Um. So there you go. Uh, I have number eight. I have a film that I have not seen in at least 25 years. Cape Fear.
0: I was almost, that was almost on my list.
2: Uh, uh, would you would uh, see I I don't remember enough. Of it. I remember it be you know having that scary vibe, but it's almost more of a thriller vibe than a horror vibe to from my perspective. Yeah,
0: I mean sometimes it's hard to to say where that crosses the line, you know, between thriller and horror.
2: Everybody has their own line. that, uh, that I yeah. think that's what it comes down to.
0: But yeah, again, like one of the reasons why it just like. It's been so long since I've seen it. I I don't remember enough to make an informed decision and unfortunately I was just not able to, you know, go and watch every single movie that I would have liked to have been able to, uh, you know, differentiate between. Before we got to do this podcast
2: Right I mean if you had you'd probably be Divorced at this point like There's just not enough time in the world to Have a job and Have family like and yeah. then Do all this shit like you just can't do it I can't do it and I have no life You know it's just impossible so You know yeah, I
0: don't know how you do your October Shit man
2: <sighs> I lose a little bit of my Sanity every year that, that's That's not an offer Um all right, moving along to number seven, we already talked about we it, Devil's Advocate. I don't fully consider... Oh, once again, I I get where where there's a horror to it. I just didn't consider it full-out horror. And the only thing I, I left out like when you guys talked about it... See, there's always a little itty-bitty part that I try to leave out, so when I, I go through my list, I have something... Uh, yeah, yeah when I did my very first independent film um I was the failure fairy. I was the main bad guy in this film and this college guy grew up believing uh in the failure fairy and I was the reason that he f- was such a failure at life, right? And at one point I I have to give this big speech like just fucking talking down to him, mocking him and I remember the director's like Remember how Al Pacino was like, ah, oh, I have so many names. Like he's just like watch that like uh, watch that scene a hundred times, and that's that's the mindset you have to be in. So, uh, I mean, I already loved the film, but doing doing the film made me appreciate the film somehow even more. And that that's
0: the failure fairy is pretty awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the failure fairy is totally where it's at, man. Um... So that that's my little story. Um, number six I don't I, I know you won't agree with and it bothers me. I don't understand why my I have to explain something. When I do these film review the film reviews, I offer this like rating at the end and like, I do it so I can look back and say, okay, I like this movie this is why I liked it, like I have my final paragraph, but like the number of self isn't always that important because on any given day I could move up or down like a whole point, no no issue like some days I'm happy and I'm like, oh this movie hit me just in the right mood and some days that same movie won't hit, hit me the right way, so Number six, I had an interview with the vampire, and I gave that a, a freaking, uh, nine point oh, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I must have been in a good mood or like really liked Brad Pitt or Banderas that day or something. I don't consider it a nine point by no means, but I liked it. And yeah, it's
0: not a, it's not a bad movie.
2: It's not <laughs> nine point though, that's for
0: fucking sure. It's, yeah, I don't. <laughs> So, right, so you were smoking something
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ I was having a little relapse I, I don't know but um, you know I, I know that I've always liked the movie I know I've seen the movie probably 7 to 10 times and I liked it so I f- and once again I don't consider that a horror movie
0: there's horror yeah, no, it's it's I would say it's more horror than Queen of the Damned was but uh yeah but I, you know, I remember, uh, so many people were so up in arms about how Tom Cruise couldn't play Lestat, and you know, it was it was maybe not the first fucking fanboy thing I remember going through, but yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal. And then it came out, I was like, this is a pretty fucking good movie. I mean, it's not a great movie, but yeah, it's entertaining, and you know, like say what you will about everything she's done since then Kirsten Dunst knocked it out of the park as fucking Claudia
2: that was her so. best performance I've ever seen her I have no problem saying that and it's like for for what little screen time he had I loved Christian Slater's role in that yeah um, I, I liked Banderas I mean it's a star studded fucking film uh and you know, I, 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 I'm definitely very partial towards Brad Pitt, and this was one of, if not the first, this might have been the first film I'd ever seen Brad Pitt in. Um, and I, to this day, I still am, I am a huge fan, so... Uh, yeah, I felt good about number six, because everything above this I truly love. Like, my next five films are films I absolutely love. So, six was a good cutoff point. Um, number five, I think you brought this up, um, but then expound upon it really, uh, Dolores Claiborne.
0: Yeah, that, that was, um, yeah, I, I like it, but, uh, again, it's, it's almost, to me, it's almost more of a drama.
2: It it, it really is a drama more than a horror, but if I'm going to have a list with Misery, I'm going to have a list with Dolores Claiborne. Those are my rules, and nobody else has to abide by them, but I have
0: to. Well, I mean, it's a good thing I didn't then, so...
2: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Number four. Movie that nobody brought up, and not at all surprised, but The Crow?
0: (laughs) Yeah, like... Uh, that that to me is really treading the line.
2: But. It it is. Yeah. <laughs> I know it is. And <laughs> I'm okay fucking, with getting away I, with it. I love
0: that movie though. <laughs> I, I love that movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, rest assured number two is gonna be even further over the line than the crow. But number three I had was Misery. We already talked about it. Great fucking movie. Um Number two probably, if, if if you had to take one movie off this list and to Kent, there's nothing horror about this movie it would be this. Green Mile. There's supernatural aspects to it. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of fucked up things that happen in it. I don't, and like, he's cursed. Like, it has a curse. It has a lot of deaths. Like, i 'm going to make the argument that it is partially horror, even though it 's ninety nine percent drama i 'll give it one percent horror and that 's my argument and it 's just a damn fine movie and I just saw like half of it on Saturday night, and I started looking at my phone right when you know that Tom Hanks has to put down all the uh, well, uh, you know, Michael Clark Duncan, I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to watch this because I'm not going to start crying in front of my friends. So like, I just started looking at my phone. <laughs> like, I know what's happening because I, I remember the first time in the theater seeing that and I'm just like, oh my God. And I'm like looking around like, oh, okay, every grown man in this theater's crying too. Okay, feeling good.
0: <laughs> That's a really good movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was the first film I ever really noticed uh, Sam Rockwell and god damn that guy
0: he Sam Rockwell's fucking amazing
2: he is he's so a good a really good actor yeah yeah he's so so fucking good so yeah um oh fuck what was I gonna say about Frank Darabont was he the one that directed that
0: I he, believe so yes
2: okay what okay uh Follow me here for just a moment. Frank Darabont, I looked him up today and I was shocked to find out, I think it was like his first thing that he directed. I'm looking him up right now. First thing that was... Yeah. Oh, okay. That nugget's going to come up later. My bad. I'm not going to spoil it right now. But I have a nugget about Frank Darabont later. Okay. And just to finish off this list of kind of sort of horror this one probably is really horror but I don't know Silence of the Lambs I just consider it more thriller than horror I do so but I know Like, had it been on my normal horror list I don't even know where I would put it it would have been in my top three but for this particular list it's at number one that's,
0: I mean, that's fine. You can be wrong. It's a cool...
2: Oh, God, I'm used to it, like, on an hourly basis, <laughs> man. I've just accepted that fate.
0: I'm just fucking with you, man. Well, it's funny,
2: though, it's funny, beca- though because... And I, I, was, I wanted to talk about this when we had Joe on, but then it kind of slipped my mind as it's a tradition. Like, like, all right, so I know a lot of people will say Silence of the Lambs, the Lambs is horror, or they'll say partial horror, whatever the case may be, and yet Hannibal Lecter is always, like, in, like, horror icon discussion. Yeah. So, like, if he's going to be in the horror icons, doesn't that, like, it means that, I don't know, like, one can't, like, both have to be the same, I feel. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it would be really weird to be like, oh, Freddy's such an iconic horror villain, but he's not listed in, you know... Being in horror movies, yeah, you know, like I, I would get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it, he's. But it, at this, at the same time, I understand when people are say thrillers are completely different than horror. Uh, it, it all depends on your definition of horror, and I think you know, especially for this blog, for the most part, it can be as broad as we want it to be, or as narrow as we need it to be for a particular topic.
2: Yeah. It- and I kind of did it this way because it gave me a little bit more leniency with my actual quote-unquote horror list. Because that way I was like, I can bring up a bunch of shit that you and Joe aren't going to bring up. That that was kind of my whole hidden agenda here.
0: You just like to talk. I got you.
2: I would like to have... Comm- yeah i do okay (laughs) let's wrap this part up and then we'll we'll finish off with my horror list and recent films we've seen in call of the night how's that sound sounds
0: good all right guys we're gonna wrap up part two of episode 21 right here and we will be back if you're following us in order in just a minute